to She Who Overcomes, the podcast where we help you transform your life, leadership, and career. I'm Mandy B. Anderson. And I'm Rachel Perman, and we are your hosts. We believe that what you've overcome makes you a leader. With a little help from two experienced coaches, that's us, you'll find the clarity and direction that you need to rise up, lead well, and live with intention. You were born to be an overcomer. So grab your coffee and let's hang out. Hey, Overcomers, welcome to another episode of the She Who Overcomes podcast. We are in the middle of our summer series that's all about becoming beautifully whole. This is the series where we are sharing audios from past beautiful wholeness events that have never been shared with the public before. And we're so excited to gift them to you. We're also excited to tell you that we are bringing beautiful wholeness back after two years of not doing a single one actually more than two years. And for the first time ever, we are offering virtual tickets, which means if you are a listener outside of the North Dakota area, you can join us. So this event is happening on Saturday, August 7th from 9.30 a.m. to 5.30 p.m. And tickets are on sale now, both in person and virtual. This is a one-day event focused on creating confident women, and it is for women of all ages. We have had kids in the audience as young as nine, all the way to women in their 90s. It's a supportive group coaching one-day experience for women, and we want you to join us. To get your ticket and to learn more about it, you can go to raymateam.com. That's R-A-Y-M-A-T-E-A-M.com. Now, I have to tell you a bit about today's episode. It comes with a trigger warning. You see, this is all about domestic violence. And if you are somebody who gets triggered from abuse and domestic violence and stories about that, we want to let you know to please skip this episode. We do not by any means want to contribute to you having to deal with triggers. So we won't feel bad if you skip it. However, if you are somebody that can handle a story about overcoming domestic violence, if you are somebody who can handle the truth about abuse and you want to learn more about how to be an advocate for those affected by it, then we want to invite you to dive into this episode. Rachel paints a picture of what domestic violence looks like by telling Annie's story. This story represents every woman affected by abuse. Rachel also paints a picture of what it looks like to set down boundaries and have an exit plan when needed. And she sounds a battle cry for every she who overcomes at the end of this episode that you're going to want to listen to. It's a raw and emotional story that is for such a time as this. So grab your coffee and let's listen in to an episode called Tell the Truth, a story about overcoming domestic violence. Okay, so second part of She Who Overcomes, the second thing that you need to do to be a She Who Overcomes is tell the truth. Tell the truth. I'm going to tell you guys some statistics about domestic violence, okay? Write it down. 
because um, most of these statistics are going to touch most of us in this room. So nearly 20 people per minute, 20 people per minute are physically abused by an intimate partner in the United States. This adds up to more than 10 million women and men in one year. According to the Department of Justice, nearly half of all women and men in the United States will experience psychological aggression by an intimate partner in their lifetime. Yep. Um, nearly half of all women and men in the United States will experience psychological aggression. Psychological aggression is um, psychological abuse. You want to put that down, but psychological aggression kind of moves you into like what they do to prisoners of war um, by an intimate partner in their lifetime. And these statistics are just for the United States, you guys. If you start putting in world statistics, it's staggering. 80% um, of all female homicide victims are killed in domestic violence incidents. 80%. We're taught to be scared of the man walking down the street, but eight out of 10 women are killed by the man inside their house. On average, oh, by the way, that one was from North Dakota, 2015. Domestic violence fatality report for North Dakota, 2015. 80% homicide victims are killed by a domestic partner. Female homicide victims. Men are, are victims of, of domestic violence all the time, but that statistic is not the same for them. On average, a woman will leave an abusive relationship seven times before she leaves for good. Seven. So today, I want to share with you guys a story and it's a story about Annie and Jonathan. Here's her story. So it was a beautiful spring morning in May of 2016. And Annie was slowly reading the words on her computer that she had just finished writing. It was a letter. It was the draft of a letter that she was sending to her mother and brother, her sister-in-law, and her best friend. And what she was going to tell them was the truth of what would, had been happening behind closed doors in the Olsen house. You see, she had been keeping a secret for years. And it wasn't so much a secret that there was abuse in that house, because every one of those people who was receiving that letter knew that. However, the secret was that the abuse was continuing. That things hadn't gotten better like she wanted people to believe. She had been keeping a secret for years so that even the ones that loved them and knew them best had no idea that Jonathan's behavior was as bad as it was. And as she read the words on the screen that day, proofing it to make sure that, you know, everything she wanted to say was in there, she was in shock that this was happening again. She couldn't believe this was happening again. By this time, she was already at, she had already passed the third time she had tried to leave and had come back. And Jonathan had promised the last time that things were going to get better, that the last time was going to be the last time. 
She also noticed that she was like weirdly numb as she was reading the words. Kind of like the intense pain that she felt when she knew it was time to kind of round that mountain again was somehow muted by its familiarity. Jonathan's behavior had been spiraling for six months. It was about that six-month time when she had come home after a girl's night out, and she could hear wailing upstairs in their master bedroom. And she walked up the stairs, um, and all she could think was, this feels like one of those really bad movies where you're like, don't go upstairs. Don't go into the room. And she walked into their master bedroom, and Jonathan was on the floor in the fetal position, rocking back and forth, sobbing uncontrollably. And when she walked into the room, all he kept saying was, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And all Annie could think was, where are the kids? Where are our kids? And that's the only word she could get out was, Jonathan, where are the children? What did you do to the kids? And he kept saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, and rocking on the floor. And he kept pointing behind Annie. And all she could think was, if I turn around and I see something like I've seen in movies about domestic violence, where you've hurt one of our children, I'm going to murder you with my two hands. And she slowly turned around, and what was behind her on the wall was song lyrics. But as she's reading through this letter, this is what she's thinking. Jonathan hadn't hurt the kids that night, but that's how bad his breakdowns would be, where she didn't know what she was coming home to. And she knew that that, that moment meant she needed help. She couldn't handle this by herself anymore. She was 16 years old when she first started dealing with Jonathan's mood swings and his addictions. In the letter, Annie explains that she's often used Jonathan's rough childhood as an excuse for his abusive behavior. Like if his mother had raised him better, he wouldn't treat her and the kids that way. She explains to her family that he has a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde personality. Some days he is fun and caring, and others he is selfish and cruel. She explained that he was drinking heavily again, and the patterns of other addictive behaviors were evident, and the violence inside their home was escalating. He was also becoming increasingly abusive, emotionally manipulative, stonewalling, isolating, and even physically aggressive. And she recalls the time that just a few weeks before they had been having an argument in the kitchen and he had pulled her by the back of the neck to keep her from leaving the room. And as she reads her own words, she thinks, I know I love him, but do I like him? Do I trust him? Why do I stay when I have every reason to go? And if she's honest with herself, the answer that day would have been no. She didn't trust him. Years of drinking and womanizing and financial secrets had taught her that Jonathan was not a trustworthy man. 
And it's hard to like somebody when you don't know which version of him is going to come through the door that day. And the last question was harder for her to answer because that answer was complicated. She stayed for a lot of reasons. She really did have this naive faith that someday by sheer will alone, her perseverance was going to save this broken boy from himself. She stayed because she had told everybody he was better. And her mind wanders back to a scene where, they, where Jonathan stood in front of their church congregation crying to make an apology to her. Sounds sweet on the outside, but all that was was a, manip- a manipulation technique because he knew she was on her way out again. And how in the world could she leave such a broken man? She stayed because she was full of anxiety and PTSD, and she couldn't see a future for herself outside those four walls. She stayed because she couldn't financially support herself and their children. By that time, there were four children in the family. She stayed because she didn't want to become another divorce statistic like her and Jonathan's parents. She stayed because Jonathan manipulated others to believe that she was the abusive one, that she was crazy, she was the controlling one, and she was lying. And she stayed because she was sure no one would believe her because she had been pretending for so long. And Annie sighed a deep relief, a sigh, a deep sigh as the thoughts stopped in her head and she pulled herself away from the memories and continued reading the words on the computer screen. She continued to read the plan that she had outlined for her family and her friends as her and Jonathan separated. She explained the boundaries that she put down and the things that would need to change in Jonathan's life to restore that relationship. She was very emotional as she finished reading her letter and prepared to hit the word hit send. Let me ask you guys, have you ever had a secret that you know would change everything if it got out? I have. I left my toxic marriage for the fourth time in 2017. Me. (laughs) The one who wrote Celebrate Your Man. Anybody remember that? Done that content? I was having Celebrate Your Man parties in my home, developing the content for Celebrate Your Man, teaching that content, and at the same time, I had an action plan in place. If I ever had to leave my home at a moment's notice because I was married to an alcoholic, and I was teaching Celebrate Your Man, and anybody who ever went through that content knew that I had a troubled marriage, and Celebrate Your Man was how I managed to stay as long as I did and still have my brain left. Like It was my way to teach other women that wanted to stay and weren't ready to leave yet how to survive and still have pieces of you left. It was called Celebrate Your Man because God told me to call it that. I hated that title from the beginning. Um, (laughs) Because I was like, I don't want to celebrate this, man. There's no reason to celebrate. But I had a secret I knew would change everything. How, how 
do you leave somebody when that's your job to be a marriage coach and you're teaching content like that? Annie had the secret. In fact, Annie represents every single woman who's been touched by domestic violence as an adult or abuse as a child. And what we all have to wrestle with when it comes to what it actually means to tell the truth and to find freedom. Because it sounds nice. It sounds amazing. However, the moment the truth comes out, learning how to deal with the aftermath, you have no idea how you're going to do that. You have no idea how your body is going to react, how your mind is going to react, how your children are going to react. And when I left, my season of suffering technically was done as far as that, those book-ended times of, you know, this was my marriage, my first marriage. However, the healing process became my season of suffering more than even that marriage was. I knew how to deal with chaos. I knew how to deal with the crazy not well. I mean, your body just, you know, goes through the motions. I was a shell of a person by the time I left. But learning how to heal, learning how to deal with anxiety, learning how to deal with triggers, learning how to deal with walking this out in a public place or as a public person, uh, that was all new territory. I really thought that when I left that day, um, the anxiety and the PTSD and all that stuff would be done because I was no longer in that home. That was not how that went down. <laughs> it's been uh, two years since the day I actually left, almost three since the whole process started. Um, and I still, to this day, even up to like this week, am still dealing with triggers. I'm still dealing with things that are going on right now in my brain. And um, I have to make sure that I have these kind of people around me, like my medical doctor, my counselor, my domestic violence advocate. I need to have these people in my life three years later because I don't know how to live healthy. I don't know how to live outside of chaos. And when your body doesn't have to live in fight or flight anymore, you don't know what you're doing. Normal is weird. Like, you don't, you don't know how to react to normal human interaction, to normal human love. You don't know how to react to that. So I want to tell you the rest of Annie's story. So four months after sending that letter, Annie would give Jonathan her wedding ring back. This was an extreme gesture on her part, and it came with a one-year deadline, saying that changes needed to be made, very specific changes, including going to treatment, or she was done. No positive changes had been made, though, in between the letter and the ring coming off her hand. It was one day before their 14th wedding anniversary. By March of that following year, six months into their one-year plan, 10 months after the letter, Annie knew in her heart it wasn't going to change and she was going to have to leave. And after a horrific camping trip that summer that ended in tears, yelling, and Annie leaving with their youngest child, Ivy, Annie told Jonathan it was over. Not abnormal, 
for half of the women in this country, probably half of the women in this room, if not more. She's the person sitting beside you. She could even be you. She's certainly me. But Annie is an overcomer because she told the truth. And more than told the truth, she walked out what happened after she told the truth. Every woman who shines light in darkness is a bondage breaker, a truth seeker, and an overcomer. This is how she does it. You guys write these down. She doesn't let fear win. To tell the truth, to be an overcomer, a woman who overcomes, you need to stop letting fear win. You need to stop waiting for the perfect circumstances to tell the truth. Stop waiting for the perfect circumstances to tell the truth. Stop allowing toxic people to take up so much space in your head and life. and stop procrastinating decisions you know you need to make. Telling the truth brings freedom. Your freedom. Lies, abuse, all of that stuff needs darkness to survive. But secrets have no place in the life of an overcomer. Ladies, we need to burn bridges. We need to expose injustice. Scream truth from rooftops. Demand changes. It's time to live that life of freedom, of overcoming suffering, of telling the truth. It's time to be a she who overcomes. Hey guys, thanks again for listening. Before you go, would you mind doing us a favor? We would love to hear your takeaways. So please leave us a review and a comment. You might just hear your name in a future episode when you do. This show is produced by Rayma Team Media, a division of Rayma Team LLC. If you'd like to learn more about how you can work with us, visit raymateam.com. That's www.raymateam.com. All right, our coffee is cold, so we gotta go. See you next week.